You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to The Worship Review, the podcast which critically and charitably examines the texts of worship music. I'm Tyler, and I'm joined, as always, by Colin. Hello! And on this show, as I said, we look at the words that are being sung. Of course, the music plays a role, too. We don't deny that. But we're primarily concerned with what's being said about and to God in spaces of corporate worship. And today we're looking at a song by Passion Worship called Glorious Day. And as a preliminary, I'd like to tell you what passion worship is about in their own words, Colin, if I may. Yes, you may. I didn't look this up at all, so I'm going to learn something now. (laughs) Passion, uh, by their own admission, passion exists, and I don't mean to be pedantic here, but they mean the name... The name of the organization is Passions. When they say passion exists. Oh, Tyler. Okay. Just, <laughs> if you've never listened to the worship review, that is just a good All right. introduction to the way this podcast goes. Go passion ahead, Tyler. Passion exists to glorify God by uniting students in worship, prayer, and justice for spiritual awakening in this generation. Passion has encountered millions of students in 18 to 25-year-olds, young people whose lives have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most impactful and stirring aspects of the movement has been the sea of voices uniting together to lift up the name of Jesus, currently helmed by Christian Stanfill, Brett Yonker, and Melanie Malone. If I could pull a page out of your book real quick, Tyler, is helm a verb? I've never heard of that. I get- It seems innovative. I'd, I've yeah. never heard that. Helming? I imagine someone at the helm. Helmed? Yeah, but that's still a noun. Okay, oh, anyway. Wait, helming is an old verb um present participle of helm yes yeah to helm transitive verb to cover or furnish with a helmet transitive verb to take the helm of steer or direct okay yeah now you you were making fun of me a moment ago but i will do a me thing here and say it's confusing what is being helmed is it the sea of voices in which case don't you helm a vessel and not the sea and it certainly is weird is not they're not helming jesus i hope they're not saying that. They're not saying that. Well, crown him with many crowns, Tyler. Okay. That would be to helm him, right? All right. Fair enough. Uh, the <laughs> band not- <laughs> has seen worship leaders such as Chris Tomlin, Matt Redmond, Crowder. He's got one name. I thought I saw him in the video. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw some guy. I couldn't tell if it was Crowder or if it was a homeless guy I that had come so- on stage. <laughs> I I thought I saw him too. And uh, uh, Christy Knuckles and Moore unite over the years, writing, recording, and leading arenas in worship. Transcending the conferences, songs from Passion have become some of the most recognizable and unforgettable worship anthems of this generation. Okay. So, that is what Passion Worship is about. This organization has existed for more than two decades, and they are responsible for a large number of the hits that top the CCM charts. Have we done a song by Passion before? I don't know that we did. Well, Colin, let me head over to theworshipreview.com and tell you exactly... How many songs? Now it's there's a worshipreview.com, Tyler. There is Colin. What you kind of features do this does this website have? Well, it has a contact form and about us form. It has a link to our episodes, a link to a place where you can donate us, and then 
a spreadsheet of every single uh, song we've done. And so I, we have done a passion song before. Um, they, they did an edition of Joyful Joyful that we covered. Oh, right. It at was at the point. Christmas yes. time. Yeah. And we've got to do that again this year. We do. It's coming up. Yeah. We had better get started. Yeah, actually, we better get on that. And that is the only passion song we've done up to this point, at least nominally passion. Now, when I say that, that's because people like Matt Redman and Chris Tomlin are members of this worship collective, you might say. And so, funnily enough, and I don't know, I'm sure that these artists are aware of this, but they actually um, claim some responsibility for How Great Is Our God, One Thing Remains, Even So Come, and 10,000 Reasons. All now, right, okay. I'm not saying they don't have rights to claim that at all, but typically those are... Uh, at least, uh, how great is our God in Ten Thousand Reasons? They're attributed to specific artists, um, and this song has a song story accompanying it. Did you hear this, Colin? No. I'll play this for our listeners here. You can hear kind of what they were thinking when they wrote this song. Glorious Day was an idea that first came to us through Jason Ingram and Jonathan Smith, and um, I'll never forget it. Jason was in town, and um, he just got the, the very first track, like demo of this song in, and it just was a verse and a chorus. And he said, man, he's like, I've got a song you've got to hear. I think this could be a great song for, for passion. <laughs> and I'll never forget being in his car, and he, he hit play on the track, and it got to that first chorus, and I thought I was going to shoot through the roof of his car. <laughs> it, was, it was such a, because it was like I could, I could just see what it was going to do. So I actually had been listening to the song and was just really, really moved by it. And uh, I only had a little work tape version. And so when I, when I got to the bridge, I started just kind of singing something. Um, and it evolved into this idea. And something that I, I love so much about God is that He didn't, He didn't stop at saving us. And I think in, in the bridge, that's what we start singing about. We start singing about that. We start claiming things over our lives that we were dead, but now we're alive. And we may have felt alone, but we've actually been invited into the kingdom of heaven as a citizen. And so the future is bright. The future is very bright. Step into it. Believe that God's walking with you. But I'll never forget you know, leading it at Passion 2017 and, and watching the room just erupt and I think the reason it does that is because that's our story that's that's the people of God's story that we are a chosen people and we're called out of darkness into marvelous light and so when you start singing about that and singing about coming back to life and our, our dead hearts beating to life in Jesus it really brings uh, joy up out of people and um, it's I don't know it's pretty great we love it yeah it's interesting to hear that backstory to the song because you by reading simply by reading the text or by hearing it once i don't know if you would get all of that nuance that uh, went into the construction of it no it actually and it helps explain something which i'll hit on later about their some of their metaphors which i thought were a bit mixed although that helps to make some sense it was interesting to hear the guy say that he was thinking about what the song would do like presumably like the reaction that that was what really wowed him 
Yeah, I think there are multiple ways you can interpret that. One of them is that it might stir people to worship. It seemed like he was stirred by it. He said yeah. it was blown through the roof is what he said, right? Something, Something like, like that. that. Something explosive. Something explosive. And you could also, I guess, view that a little bit differently, perhaps more cynically, and say that they were concerned about um, how many copies it would sell or something. I think we can give them the benefit sure. of the doubt and say it's the first one. As we um, always do. <laughs> we we are doubt benefit giving people. That's wow, right. Wow, that was a construction there. So with that being said, Colin, what would you say this song is about? This is a song which describes the weight of sin and kind of death as well, although death seems to be more of a metaphorical death, but it's kind of also about death, I think, real death. So it's a song which talks about the weight of those things prior to salvation, and then there's a real contrast. The person that's singing the song meets Jesus and is called out of this metaphorical tomb that they were in, and this brings the person uh, you know, into God's glorious day and into mercy and freedom and uh, rescue and shelter and a community and it just kind of it 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 talks about it talks about the pre-conversion state and then the post-conversion state and all and and many of its benefits and it does mention at least in passing not just the past not just the present but there is a mention of the future as well i have a future um let's look at some specific words then Let's take a look at this first verse. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I really like this first line in part because it's clever in the way that the words conflate being buried. Or, 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 or you know, they, they, this song gives like a dual meaning to bury, like buried in a tomb, but also buried under a weight. And we see that the weight is shame. And later on, we have a mention of sin as well. So it's clear that this isn't merely just... It's clear that the song is not trying to escape language of sin because it uses it later. So so shame probably here really does mean shame. And it's not just a filler word. And yeah, I, I think this seems really effective and pretty thoughtful, actually. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I, I would agree. And it's... Uh... A uh, simple pattern that they uh, repeat throughout the song. There's an interesting word here, until I met you. So, the implication here is that it was my tomb up to the point where I met you, and right. now it is no longer my tomb. Right. And so, it's implying a changed state without getting into the details of that yet. So, I like that. Which is nice, because we there are other songs that have used till or until Yes. <laughs> and they don't mean it that that way. <laughs> I wish do you have a specific example? I can't remember, but till yeah. 
Yes, there. this is a use of till that implies a change, and it also made me wonder if this question, who could carry that kind of weight, is meant to be answered rhetorically. Oh, yeah. It's not um, It's not simply remarking upon the great weight of the person's shame, but also on the one who can carry yeah. that kind of weight. Yeah, there is somebody who could carry it. So there's a hopefulness here, even as the problem is being mentioned, there's some hope. And the it in It Was My Tomb, do you think it's referring to the shame? Or the weight? Yeah, both those things, I think. Okay. It makes sense. I mean, he he says, I, well, yeah. I don't mean to be too pedantic. He was buried beneath his shame. If you're buried, you're in a tomb, right? Yeah. So, any of it, he elaborates on this some more. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. Again, I, I think this is really smart. I was breathing, but not alive. This is a great way to capture what's going on in Ephesians chapter 2, right? Being dead in trespasses and sins. We're all walking around. We're alive in the sense that we're alive in our bodies, but we're spiritually dead. And this is just a really clever way to capture this. We see failure here. So we've got shame, and now we've got failure, so the problem is also failure. And as I said, if it was just shame and failure, I would probably ding the song a little bit for not really getting into the, our real problem, which is our sin, our rebellion, or some other you know, transgression, or some other word that really captures that a bit more. It does. The song does get into that later. So, um, And then we've got the same lines again, it was my tune. Till I met you, till there was you. Yes, I agree with you. I wrote biologically living, but spiritually dead. So living according to the flesh, but certainly not according to the spirit. I have to think that Ephesians chapter 2 was on the minds of the folks that wrote this song. I, I, think, I think you're right. And I also liked this mention of trying to hide your failures, because whether or not they meant it, it reminds one of uh, Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. And obviously Adam and Eve covering themselves after their great failure. So um, it's, it's, it hasn't used the word sin yet, which I think usually, Colin, this bothers you. But it has, it has moved around the word sin, included various elements of sin, like it being shameful, it being a burden, it being something that you want to hide. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't use the word, but it actually tells us quite a bit about yeah, the problem. Yeah, sort of circumscribes sin. These, yes. aren't, these aren't just empty euphemisms or sometimes words like this will be used to avoid talking about sin but i think even if the song hadn't mentioned sin we've already got a pretty good sense as to what's wrong and it seems biblical and it's nice that the song does leave no doubt later on by using the word sin it's also neat because we have the shame being a weight which buries somebody and then we have failures which 
cause a person to try to hide. In a tomb, right, you're both sort of buried in a tomb, and um, a tomb is also a lonely, dark place where one hides. So it's there's a kind of consistency of the language here, too, even in a kind of subtle way, which just gives the song a kind of sophistication. We then come to a chorus. You You called my name, then I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. Okay. I only, as always, as we always do, which new listeners may not know this, but we, we do not listen to the song first. We read the lyrics first, and we do that separately. And actually, we don't talk about it ahead of time. So I read these lyrics, and I really liked this chorus because we have god initiating the chorus begins with you called my name which we know later is jesus and i ran out of that grave so there's an action that god initiates god call christ calls the person's name and then the person runs out of the grave and then there's kind of another way of describing that same thing out of the darkness into your glorious day. I mean, so what, what I, what I liked to, you know, so you can see what I liked about that. And then, then I listened to the song, the way that the song emphasizes these things is in reverse. Like it does say you called my name, but it, it's, it's said kind of quietly and just quickly. And the line that's got the emphasis is I ran out of that grave, right? That's the thing that, that is the, where the music kind of pulls away, and that's what they really emphasize is the, the thing that the person does. Now, the order is still there, and this is still totally fine, and again, I'm not going to critique it because of that, but I just, I was disappointed a little bit when I actually listened to the song and saw what they chose to emphasize when they put everything together. This is a unique concern for you to have, Colin, yeah. at least for you, because typically right. I don't think it has bothered you in the past where the emphasis is musically yeah. on certain things. So Yeah, and, and again, like I said, I'm not going to ding the song for it in any way. Um, but it was just kind of like, oh, they they made a huge deal in the performance of I Ran Out of That Grave and You Called My Name is just like filler words almost to get there. Whereas if you read it, read the text, You Called My Name is the first thing and it and it it obviously seems to have more weight. Yeah, it's the inciting the action for yeah. all of the things right. that follow. So then you get out of this dar- out of the darkness into your glorious day. What's if the, if it was just this, it would be a problem because this is kind of vague. Like, what is the darkness? What is the what does it mean to be in God's glorious day? Um, but you know, because this because there are other ways that the song talks about what's happening. I don't mind this dark light or dark day metaphor. I wondered about Glorious Day being a reference to the J. Wilbur Chapman hymn. I think it's called One Day or One Day in Heaven. It's a fairly well-known hymn. 
and it ends one of the lines ends with oh glorious day so i don't know if this is just a subtle nod to that Sometimes you've got songs which use language from other hymns to kind of do fan service, you know, nostalgia yeah. type stuff. Or to pay respects to yeah. older hymns. Okay, yes, like. the, yes, the charitable, <laughs> the charitable thing. We should be charitable. Although I guess perhaps as a counterpoint, they are celebrating the glorious day that they've been called into. Yeah, so sure. They might be emphasizing the um, action that led them out of the grave. And even even the even the notes the the melody it, it's a descending melody melody you you call my name da da and then yeah da-da. exactly right so right. yeah so I wondered they I was curious when I looked at the inspiration for this song if they would mention this passage and I don't see it anywhere now of course. I could be mistaken, perhaps they've mentioned this somewhere that I haven't read, but I certainly thought this was a reference to Jesus raising Lazarus from the tomb, because he says, Lazarus, he cries out with a loud voice in John 11. He calls his name. Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with a cloth. Wait, wait a second. What did, he, did he hop out? Um, <laughs> and I hopped out of that grave, right? So, <laughs> I, uh, perhaps he was somehow, well, it doesn't say they were bound together, right? Okay, all right. I think typically we think of people being wrapped in yeah. kind of together. Swaddled, with basically. Traps. In, in any event, Jesus calls his name and he literally comes back to physical life right. from a tomb. And so I thought this is this has got to be what inspired them. Of course, obviously Jesus does not simply do this for Lazarus, but it is um, what he does in the heart of every believer. So I was curious if that had inspired them, but they don't say that. So um, so I don't know if I'm tapping into something that inspired them or not. But it just seemed really relevant. Yeah, and, and curious that they don't mention that. Then we come to another verse. Now your mercy I see, my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. Listen. The old may you. Jesus, when I may you. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, whoa, what a day. Again, there are some little things here that make this better than many other songs that use very similar language. Just a couple small things that they do differently. The song rightly defines mercy. Okay. It's easy to, this is a minor thing. It's easy to conflate mercy and grace. 
right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve and grace is getting what you don't deserve. There's a subtle difference between those two things. And so mercy saved his soul. So his soul needed saving and it, it is, it's mercy that saved his soul. So that, that seems thoughtful. I also like this. Now your freedom is all I know. It's nice that he didn't say freedom is all I know. The freedom is contextualized in Christ. We know that it's Christ because later on it says Jesus when I met you. So I I quite like this. I'm still thinking about your um, distinction between mercy and grace. Yeah. And now um, this uh, freedom thing has... This freedom thing actually made me scratch my head because... Um, Yes, it is obviously preceded by this possessive pronoun, your, so it's contextualized to Christ, in a sense. Um, but I was wondering what that means, your freedom. Does that mean freedom to worship you? Does that mean a freedom to serve you? Well, it's a possessive, so freedom of you. But not, what does that mean, freedom of you? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Freedom that belongs to you. Right, possessive is indi- uh, indicates belonging. So I think it, I, yes, it doesn't spell it out totally, but I feel like it's a pretty, pretty straightforward leap to sort of freedom in in you, freedom that comes from you, freedom that belongs to you. So maybe just kind of a a generic freedom that is of you that I now inherit. Is that what that is? Something like that. It, it's at the very least not an unmoored freedom. It's not just yeah. a autonomous freedom. There's yeah. clearly a context for that freedom. And it may, the song doesn't explain what exactly that means, but I don't know. I'm okay with it. I'm thinking about your um, definitions of mercy and grace now. Because I think t- grace is often defined as unmerited favor. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit different than getting what you don't deserve, because it's getting getting good that you don't deserve, right? Because if I got off with a crime, oh yeah, I would sure, not get yeah, what I deserve. yeah, I should, I should. That's true. Yeah, the there is an implied sense that the getting is good, and then in mercy that the getting is bad. That's true. But it, fair point. In, in any event, uh, this. There is nothing wrong with these lines. I can't, I mean, the old is made new, so he's referring to being a new creation in Christ. And uh, he rejoices at the day that it happened, right? What a day. So, all all fine. All yeah. fine. Also, not to mention, he mentions that his soul has been saved now, too, and not just his, oh, that's his good. body, which, yeah. that sounds like a, a minute point to make, but it's pretty significant. We are concerned with, yeah. with that in the that's Christian good. religion. <laughs> And then we have the bridge that one of the musicians was talking about in the About This Song video. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, but you call me a citizen of heaven. Well, 
when I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open. Okay, again, I, there's a lot here, I think, to like. First of all, this bridge starts off with a very true statement about need. I needed rescue. Uh, totally true. My sin was heavy. So again, now we know definitely the problem here is sin. The things that were being spoken of either uh, earlier were descriptors of sin. And you got the idea of sin being heavy, which is a reference right back to the first verse. We're talking about the, the weight of shame, right? And this, this made me think of Christian in Pilgrim's Progress losing this oh, great yeah, right. from his back. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if that inspired this or not. Could but. be. Could be. Uh, so, so that's nice. So we have need of Christ um, and sin. Uh, I also like, but chains break at the weight of your glory. Now, weight of glory is an interesting phrase. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For this light momentary, Paul's being very clever here too. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory um, beyond all com comparison. It's an interesting way to describe glory as a weight. Now, normally that would be, I think, a bad thing. But I, I don't know what Paul means by this. I was looking up the Greek word here, which is bados, which is like, it, it can mean a literal weight. It could also mean substance or something of significance. So the translators of the ESV use the word weight, but I suppose you could also say like the substance, an eternal substance of glory or an eternal, a significant glory or something like that. But Either way, it's, it's, it's a nice phrase that maybe implies the glory of God anchoring us or tying us to him, right, in a, in a meaningful, physical way. And so you have in the song, chains breaking at the weight of your glory. So God's glory is a weight that is greater than the weight of sin, and it actually breaks the bonds of, of sin, which are used here with the metaphor of change. So uh, I, I think that works. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I was just thinking maybe more, more literally the chains break at the weight of your glory. I think this all, I mean, this is a scriptural phrase to use. I have no objection to it, but before the sin was the weight on his back. Yeah, I agree. Now the weight of glory, if it breaks the chains, are we to suppose that it has been added to the weight so that the chains, right, the chains break because they can't hold the weight of the glory. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know yeah. about that. So I just thought it was a cu maybe curious or interesting metaphor. I, I'm not going to dock it for that. Um, maybe it's meant to be clever in a way. Yeah, because um, you can imagine. I mean, you can imagine quite easily no. something very heavily heavy causing a link in a chain to warp until yeah, it breaks. Right. No, I don't, I don't think you're being pedantic to point that out. I think something similar happens with the next set of lines, too. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. Like, these are biblical ideas. Uh, you know, before we are Christians, we are like orphans in that we're alone and we have no parents. But the solution is to become a citizen here, which it's like 
well, the, the answer to being an orphan is not to be a citizen. I mean, that is an answer, but the better answer, of course, right, is to have a father and a mother, right, is to have parents. But when I listened to that interview that you played, that helped me understand what they were going for here. So they were thinking about orphan as a person that's alone. Like they were, they, they were trying to say, I was alone. And then so citizen is a, a statement of belonging, right? I do think that family or father would be a better, right? Now you call me a son or something like that would have been better here. But it's biblical. I mean, being a citizen of heaven is, that's a true thing that we get. Yeah. And um, being an or- we are orphans prior to being adopted into the family of God. So these are true things. It's, it's slightly inconsistent. It, I, guess, or I, I guess I'm saying it could be slightly better. I don't think I'm going to dock it for this, but I guess I just mention it in the same way that you mentioned what you did before, where you, yeah. you, you looked like you had an epiphany there for a moment. No, I was, I was um, l- let me finish this thought on the um, orphan. And yeah. ha- so orphans definitely, they, they have lost their parents. Yeah. And so uh, becoming a citizen of heaven Yes, they they are adopted, and so they are now in a family, and so that's not exactly the same thing as being a citizen of heaven. But it, that also, citizen of heaven, answers the problem of having no shelter, right? Because you can imagine some kind of wandering person who has no home, yeah, looking, and like they can find refuge in the walls. Yeah, that's good. City. I totally skipped over that. Sure. Now, when I read the weight of your glory, I was thinking about um, this Hebrew noun, kavod. And kavod can mean as you glory, do think of Hebrew nouns, as one does. <laughs> it can mean glory, but it's related to the same word as heavy in in Hebrew. Oh, okay. So these are very very similar words in Hebrew, and um, kavod is honor or respect or um, glory in a sense. Um, that you would owe someone like a monarch or something. And kaved is something that's very heavy. And so when I thought of the weight of your glory, I was just thinking how the two are similar in Hebrew, that something that is extremely heavy is a kind of imposing uh, thing. So um, chains breaking at the weight of your glory would would imply this great weight shattering these chains. Okay. Wow, that's good. When I was broken, you were my healing. Um, I, it's funny that they chose healing instead of healer, but I think they needed it's an to rhyme with breathing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now your love is the air I breathe. We've seen this before, haven't we? The air that I breathe. Wasn't it about yeah. the um, the spirit in the lungs? Oh, yeah. There was a song. Wasn't it a Phil Wickham song? In any event. Um, your love is the air that I'm breathing. We've seen similar things like this before, this kind of um, expression that something is the air that I breathe. Yeah. And it seems like what they mean in that context is, um, well, actually, this reminds me of a scriptural passage. In him, we live and move and have our being. It's that yeah. like we are surrounded by um, an omnipresent god and he created and sustains the entire universe including obviously this earth and the media through which we pass throughout a day so um it's a little bit of a 
an abstract thought. Your love is the air that I'm breathing, but I don't have any objection to it. Yeah, I just say it gets to both those things you're talking about. It gets to God surrounding us and being around us everywhere, and then also that God sustains us. Yeah. And is necessary for life. So if it was just this on its own, it was just talking about the air I breathe as an abstraction and didn't explain it, that would be a problem. But this, again... This is actually really nice. These these metaphors come after some truth has been explained far more clearly. Yeah. That's what I think is pretty good about this song compared to other songs that use similar language. Many of those songs do not actually explain what these metaphors mean, right? And especially with something as abstract as your love is the air that I'm breathing, that would not bar, I think, many neo-pagans from yeah. participating in this song. Yeah, or people totally who are like that. kind of new age spirituality types, because I've heard similar things come from people like that. Um, not to say anything bad about these people, but we have to say they are they are not talking about our God when no, they're talking about that. Not. So um, we have to be careful. I have a future. My eyes are open. So we, I, as I said, there's a there's a passing reference to a future coming um, for this person. But I thought my eyes are open is such an odd it is odd way to round it all up. Yes, it's like, oh, well, like, I guess were my eyes. Why didn't they say before? that way earlier? Right? Does it, does it mean I'm no longer blind or I'm no longer dead? Right? Because yeah. a dead person and a sleeping person, their eyes are closed. Yeah. Um, maybe it's it's uh, just reflecting on the nature of being awake and alert. But I I thought it was odd. Yeah, structurally, <laughs> it's just like it's just doesn't make sense really unless there's against something we're missing and let us know which probably we are. if there is yeah that that has happened two times in my life okay and both of them were on this show right That's right <laughs> so uh with that said colin do you have any concluding remarks on this song uh yeah i like this song i think that it's clear it uses metaphor well in that it adds style and emotion and understanding while also explaining the concepts behind the metaphor, like the metaphors illuminate things that have already been explained or that are about to be explained in more detail. I don't like, like I said, I don't like the way that the music is as much as I just like the lyrics on their own. But if I'm evaluating this just on the lyrics, I think it's a pretty solid song, Tyler. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. It clears the bar for me at, at the very least, and I I think it accomplishes its goal. Christian Stanfill of Passion, the guy who is featured on this song, who's singing it, says, This song is our story. It's the people of God's story. We're a chosen people and we're called out of darkness into marvelous light. When you start singing about coming back to life, it really brings joy up out of people. And I think that is true, and I think this song does that well, and it really does not stray too far from that goal, and it, it does not include erroneous thoughts or anything like that. Yeah. So, I think it does a good job, and it, it does bring joy up out of people. Now, I have to say, when I'm watching the music video, I think I would be probably one of the old Muppets in the theater, rather than one of these young people, because you, you would turn on this video, and there's like bunch of 20 year olds swarming oh, a know. stage there's like all the it opens on all these neatly arrayed rows and then about 15 to 30 seconds into it you can just start to see people running up to this stage 
The music video was annoying. It annoyed you. Yes, yeah, so much about it. Annoyed <laughs> was me. it the fog? The it the, actually looked like mustard gas because it was slightly yellow. <laughs> <to> the <fog. laughs> They're literally going that, to, but... to test that theory of coming running out of the grave. Oh, um, yeah. This, I mean, I won't go into the whole, but yeah, the the rushing the stage, the jumping in unison, the all young people, even the dude with like a perfectly cut jeans at his knees, right? Where clearly they were either made that way or he cut them. Oh yeah, so yeah, the the guy's jeans, uh, the display was garish. It was like, how much money did they spend for all of those screens? And I just found the whole thing. This is a big. Was it at a passion conference that this was made? Maybe. Do you think? I know that people like John Piper have spoken at these things. Like they're full of people, and the young people did kind of freak me out as well because I thought, where are all the old people? You know, but. Well, you know they're gonna fill a stadium yeah, with old people to do this, um, but uh, it it is a little bit better to me that this is apparently a kind of it's targeted at young people, and so if they they only have college students at their shows or whatever, and I will say it's a show because it looks like a show to me, um, it doesn't really upset me too much. But yeah, there were some things about the music video that I thought were weird. Like I I realize you could say this about a lot of things, but. When I was watching it, I realized, yeah, I'm the I'm the weird guy in the corner of the party who's like criticizing the people having fun at the party, which is not very fun. <laughs> sure, but I was like, man, if an alien came down right now and someone told them, oh, they're worshiping a, uh, you know, a transcendent god, um, I don't know if the aliens would like be aware because it it really looks like, and I'm not saying that's what's going on. I'm just saying it looks like a bunch of people worshiping people on the stage. Oh yeah. Especially I, the rushing the stage yeah, thing. That's not what's happening. I understand, but there's, they're all like really excited to see these people. They got their hands up trying to touch them and everybody's moving in unison. And yeah. And like the dude on stage is like doing these things like I can't, you know, I need to hear you section 27 or whatever. It's just like, okay. So with that being said, Colin, what's your rating for this song? My rating for the music video is one out of five, but my rating for the song, my rating for the song is five out of five bells on the hill. This is a reference that I do not get. There were bells oh. on a hill till there was you. There were bells on a hill, but I never heard them ringing. No, I never heard them at all till there was you. That 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 till I met you just kind of reminded me of that song. It's a beautiful song. Tyler, what did you give this song? I gave it four out of five Christian mosh pits. Yeah, of course. And I, I thought about omitting the uh, word Christian because um, there's should, nothing... Be, no, no. You be, should have said gospel-centered <laughs> mosh pits, no, Tyler. No, no. <laughs> well, uh, Gospel-y mosh John pits. John Piper was going to be there, right? So gospel it would be, pits. Um, Christian hedonist mosh pits, maybe yeah, there you, you could go. say. Right. But, um, I thought I, I won't omit the word Christian, uh, because, uh, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm criticizing them for all being happy and, you know, having a little mosh pit. So, um, there, yes, I give it four out of five Christian mosh pits. You're the youngest curmudgeon I know, Tyler. I, I love you for it. I, I, I don't think I'm a curmudgeon. 
No, you're not a curmudgeon. I, I'm happy for them. You're on your way, though. Fun. You'll be there soon. And, you know, frankly, if... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to be too introspective <laughs> on the show. <laughs> so... With that said, listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. We uh, really enjoy making these. We enjoy hearing from you guys, our listeners, and and you just, gals, you gal. Excuse me, I don't know how many women. Actually, this actually, actually, yes, you're right. Actually, actually, actually Colin, uh, the majority of our listeners are female. It's so. incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. It's good to have you, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in, and we are excited to bring you an episode every week. We'll catch you next Monday. Take care. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.